Every life tells a story, and through that life, an even greater story is being told. Today, we're going to talk to Myra Dovenberger. She's one of many voices of faith. my pleasure today to sit down with Myra and talk to her about her life and I've known her believe it or not going on for we're looking at four years at this point I'll have been here four years in January of 2015 and we met just shortly after you got started exactly exactly so welcome to Voices of Faith I thank you for being here today thank you and Let's get right into it. If you could tell me a little bit about your upbringing and how it shaped you for your uh, life later on. Okay. Well, as a typical child, I had a normal, up to three years, I had a normal life. Um, I was uh, adopted by my stepfather when I was three and basically joined a church at that time and was faithful to the church every Sunday. But then... I was starting to have problems at school. I was having problems at home. I was having problems with just in general life. It wasn't going the way I thought it would. And then I found out I'd been being molested by an uncle from the time I was three. In that time, I chose to numb things. I, I would do things like drink alcohol under the table. You know, Nobody knew I was doing what I was doing, including my parents. Mm-hmm. Now, about how old were you when you found out or realized really what was happening to you? Actually, to find out how old I was uh, at the time, I didn't find out until I was in my 40s that it had started that early, and that's why I was so bad. Mm-hmm. I was a chronic insomniac. I would not sleep at night. I would get up and play during the days and at, and, or at night, and then I would sleep during the day where I couldn't be touched. By anybody mm-hmm. and that was enough for me you know even as growing up knowing something was going on but mentioning it to the one person I knew I could trust was my grandmother and when I went to her and I told her I was not comfortable at seven being touched by this uncle of mine um, she kind of said we don't talk about that and I blew it underneath the rug and I think that was the common thing to do back in those days mm-hmm. But as I got older, I started noticing I was going more towards leaning towards the bad things as opposed to the good things I knew I had in me, but just chose not to. I would run away from home. I was doing drugs I shouldn't be doing. Um, I shouldn't even have known about the drugs I was doing back in those days. But now that I think about it, and after having listened to myself on a, um, uh, I was regress regressive hypno- hypnotherapy is when I found out that I had actually been molested from the time of three and it didn't stop until I was in my 20s mm. I mean I, I tried to stay away from it as much as possible um, the biggest thing that I would do is if I knew I was going out there to that farm I would leave I would run home I'd run away from home and I'd stay gone for weeks sure even at seven eight nine years old I was gone and mom of course went through everything you know she sent pictures out and had cops looking for me and stuff like that but I was just too good I was <laughs> I was streetwise by the time I was five 
I knew every place to go and places to stay away from. And she never did find me. It was always somebody else that saw me and said, I saw her. And she didn't look nowhere near eight, nine, ten years old. She looked more like she was 20. And when I tried to explain that to her, she didn't want to hear about it. So they ended up taking me to a psychiatrist. And, of course, I opened up to the psychiatrist thinking that the psychiatrist would not let my secret out. Right. Now's your chance. Yeah. Now was my chance to speak up and say what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, after I got done talking to this psychiatrist, he immediately took me out and put me in the waiting room and brought my parents into the room, told them everything I had said. And when I found that out, then I got home, got my butt beat for saying it. So I learned how to keep my mouth shut, my ears open, and my mind's constantly on where I'm going next, you know, where I'm headed for. And I started drinking. Like I said, I started drinking at a very young age. I started, my first alcoholic drink was seven. And I hid that even from church. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew it. My dad, when I got confirmed here, Got a little upset with me because when I had the first taste of wine, I come and turn around and smiled at everybody at church. And he got mad at me about uh-huh. that. But, you know, he didn't realize that I was an avid yeah. alcoholic. He had no idea at that none, point. None was. I had him all fooled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew to cover up the smell of my breath, stay away from him, do something just to get rid of the smell. And, of course, then my cousin, when he came back from Vietnam, this is another one that I had a problem with that, mm-hmm. that was molesting me. And I tried to respect a man. I really did from coming back to Vietnam, doing two tours and stuff. I really tried my hardest to forgive him for what he had done to me as a child. But with his dad, I couldn't forgive him either. Yeah. And then to know that you know his his dad had actually also had been molested by his father, so it was normal from passing it down from son father to son, father to son. Um, I had so many people just say, oh, you're just making it up. It's awful crap. You know, you've got no proof. I'm, I'm like, my brain's like a trap. Mm-hmm. It's got every little thing that ever happened to me in that trap. If I ever let it loose, damn's going to break loose. Yeah. It's going to flood Zanesville. Yeah. And, um, How long did you have to hang on to that by yourself before? From the age of three till I finally, Jim, my husband was the first one I really opened up to. Okay. I tried to, like I said, with my grandmother, and just kind of like wiped it under the rug. We never spoke of Mm -hmm. it again. And she was always my rock. She was always my rock. The day she died, she apologized to me. Mm. But she had never done anything about it, never said anything. And I felt bad, but, you know, and she was my grandmother, and I loved her. Uh, To this day, I still think she's right here Mm -hmm. on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I think... If it had been her choice, (laughs) I would have been a doctor (laughs) instead of a drug addict and an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. During that whole span of time when you were undergoing the abuse, uh, and even up until, you know, the time that you got married and, and you started to be able to share that, where did you feel God was? Uh, what, what was your relationship with him like during that span of time? I believed in him. I believed in him wholeheartedly. That's the way I was raised. But I kept asking myself, why is God letting this happen to me? Why is this continue to keep going? And even though I say no or I fight back, I didn't feel like God was in my life. I was willing to accept him. 
But I just kept saying to myself, God never puts anything more on you than he thinks you can handle. So I just figured this was my, my role in life, was to accept the fact that, you know, things do happen and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And because of our family, there was no going to cops. There was no going to anybody of authority and saying anything, hey, you know, I'm having this and this and this happen to me and I'd like to stop it. But in actuality, on when I was in the second grade, it was a summer vacation where you always come back to school and you talk about your vacation. And I wrote a story about my vacation, and my vacation was so graphic that they stopped me in the middle of that conversation. And they took me to the first grade teacher, and they made me read it in front of her, and then they called my family. And then I went home and got my butt beat again. <laughs> And I learned how to keep my mouth shut, just yeah, the, keep it tied up in my brain. Yeah, the message that was being sent to you was, do not talk about this right. ever. And that's the way it was back in those days. As now that I've come out and I've told everybody what has happened to me, you'd be amazed at how many people actually have been through the same thing I have. But they chose to, to live their life and not let the life live them. Me, on the other hand, I believe I let the life lead me into the realms of death, you know, a pure hell. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have lived the life I did. I wouldn't look as old as I am. I look 90 when I'm only going to be 60 oh. next month. And uh, a lot of people tell me that if I'd opened up years and years and years ago, I probably wouldn't have suffered as much as I have and been so mean and hateful. Mm. You know, I mean, I didn't trust anybody, nobody. I mean, I didn't trust my own mother because when I tried to tell her, she just didn't want to hear it. And now they're still like that. They don't want me to mention it. Mm-hmm. I figured if I talked to my brother that maybe he would um, come out with his. And I knew he'd had because he had talked to Mom about it, but he doesn't want to hear anything. He jumps up, gets real defensive about it. And I tried to tell him the more you talk about it, the more it feels like you're in control of your life and not life is in control with you. Mm-hmm. What was the point where you you know, reached the, the decision where you said, enough's enough? I can't live like this anymore. Well, actually, it hit me a few years back, but because I was still on drugs due to the doctor saying I had to have it, had to have it, had to have it, you know, I just let it go. But I finally came to my senses, um, I'm going to say it was over a year ago, is when I started slacking off everything and trying to quit everything that I knew I didn't need to be on. I didn't need help to sleep. I could sleep as long as I started clearing this brain out. I could sleep. And I've learned how to do that. I've learned how to use other tools as opposed to dealing with what happened to me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And haven't talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. Even tried to go into schools to try to talk to people that anybody, I don't care, anybody of authority, talk to them. If you're having this happen to you, talk. Don't just sit there and hold it in your brain because if you do, you're going to wind up just like me, and you don't want to do that because my life has not been fun. I've been in a state mental institution. I've been in prison. I've, I've done things that I would never have done if I hadn't had things happen to me that mm-hmm. did. Yeah. And then the sequence, they had even happened clearer when I came home from the penitentiary. It happened, and that was my fault. I blame that strictly on me because I went out and got drunk, and that just left me open for whatever. And I feel like um, had I had some control over myself, I might have been able to stop it, but I think he was stronger than I was no matter what. Mm -hmm. So he was going to have his way. 
one way or the other. So that's kind of why, you know, I, I've let rapes go by. I've let people put guns to my head, and I've just just let it go because any time I would call the police about anything, they just ignored me. It was like I was telling a story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a story. It was actual cry for help. Right. You know, to me, I learned how to forgive my uncle when he died, when I could actually see him laying in that coffin, and I knew he could never touch me and never hurt me again. That's when I forgave him. As a pastor, I, I listen to your story, and to me, it confirms everything that the Bible says, because the Bible says that sin has a domino effect. If you do something wrong, if you impose your will on a child or anybody else, then there's going to be, not only are you doing something wrong, but you're causing wrong to happen to another person. And it's, you know, the one domino knocks over another to the point where you... You run out of dominoes. You do. And you, you reached a point in your life where addiction had taken you down oh my. to the bottom. And that was caused, in a sense, by somebody else's will, somebody else's decision to do wrong to you. And that's a lot of the problems we see in the world today. Well, I just, you know, to me, if, if it's happening to somebody else and they're too afraid or they just don't have anybody they think they can go to and tell them about it, I think that if nothing else, go to a teacher, go to a cop, go to a friend, go to anybody and tell them what's going on. Somewhere, somehow, it's going to wind up back in the right hands. Mm-hmm. I never got that chance. Mm-hmm. I never got the chance to be able to not tell anybody anything without the retribution or getting my butt beat when I got home. Yeah. Especially if they found out that I had said anything. It's just like when I told Mom I was going to go through this. But you're not going to bring up everything from the past, are you? I said, well, why not? If it's going to help one person to be able to get their self straight and narrow and on the right path, then I'm here for some reason. Mm-hmm. I've done what I think I came for. Like I keep saying, you know, so many times that I literally have died and God keeps bringing me back and my thoughts always been that if I can help one person in their life to be able to open their mouth and I don't care what the retributions are get it out there talk scream if you have to stand up at Putnam here Pioneer Park and scream it out over a loudspeaker get it out there mm-hmm. because if you don't stop it now it continues. It continues with other people, and it continues to hurt those other people, and then they get to drinking, and then they turn to drugs, and they go through everything. And I, to, to, to tell you the truth, if I had my life all to live over again, I would have asked to go to another family. I would have left my own family just to get away from it. That's how deeply you were it hurt. Affected, yeah, it affected mm-hmm. me real big. You know, I mean, even as, as growing up, as I aged and got into my teens, I felt dirty. You know, mm-hmm. and being on the drugs, it numbed me. I didn't think about things. I drank till I was stupid. <laughs> then I'd wake back up with the same problems and go get drunk all over again. Yeah. And that wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to me. I missed every everything, all my firsts. I lost it. Mm-hmm. Just in one foul sweep, it was yeah. gone. And I think a lot of that had a lot to do with the way I turned out. And I'm glad now that I have changed. Yeah, you have. And I would like for you to talk a little bit about that, and especially from this perspective. What's God doing for you today to help you along this path? He's making me strong, very strong. There's things that normally I wouldn't tell people no, 
you know, I wouldn't, I, I would normally try to do something to help somebody out, no matter how I felt at the time. But now, I stop and I think, when I was back in those situations and those positions, there was people out there to help me, and I would do anything to help somebody out. And God, I think, is the one guiding me there. Um, I'm almost sure of it because I dream of it a lot. You know, of my life getting better. Mm-hmm. I know I've went to a lot of pitfalls in the past eight, ten years. But now things are starting to look a little better, a little brighter. I have a better outlook on life, you know. Um, I don't fear death anymore because I've had my, my afterlife experience, and that kind of gave me the, the will to keep doing good, mm-hmm. keep, keep doing right by God. I don't think I'd be here today if it mm-hmm. wasn't for you. I almost swear by that. Everybody says, oh, come on, you didn't believe that, did you? I said, I was up there looking around. You can't tell me nothing. And right there is when I started to make that change. I said, I might have been slow at it, and I might have kicked myself in the butt a few times, get doing something, you know. But I'm always trying to help people now. And to me, that's God saying, hey, it's time. It's time for you to grab a hold of the reins and take take charge of your life, not let anybody else run it for you. Yeah. And you're here for a reason, Yeah, clearly. I mean, there's a mission for you now. Yeah. There is, and I believe it is all in my life. My whole life is a book. People have said, I need a ghostwriter. uh, I'm sitting around talking about all this stuff. I need somebody to write this. Maybe I'll make $20 million (laughs) off a a bestseller. (laughs) I don't know about all that, but I would do it just for sure. There's somebody else to pick it up and read it. And get some ideas out of it. Yeah. It'd be great, you know. I mean, and maybe take the first step towards getting the help that they need. Yeah, absolutely, it needs you. No matter how strong you think you are, you're not. And I've sat many a night and just cried about everything that I've gone through. And I know I cannot blame everybody else. I have to blame me. And I took the blame, and I've taken the blame all my life. I've even blamed myself for things that wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like when my dad died, I blamed me for doing it. Yeah. Because I, I believed that, you know, if I wouldn't have caused him so much stress, he wouldn't have had that massive heart attack. And for years, I beat myself up over that. Mm-hmm. And I finally I told my mother, yes, I confess to everything, including dad. She said, no, it was his time. And I said, well, I added to it. You know, if I wouldn't have added so much stress to the man, I probably he'd probably still be here. Yeah. She said, well, you're not the only kid we had. <laughs> I said, no, we had Kevin, and he was a little hugging. <laughs> <laughs> so she gave you a little perspective on that. Oh, yeah. And we need to hear that from time to time. We really do. Different question. Um, there's a lot of people out there who have a pretty poor opinion of church at this point. You know, they think that church has to be, you have to be a certain way to be in the church or you won't be accepted. And so they just stay away completely. Um, What's your experience with church been? And what would you tell somebody who says, I don't go for that organized religion type stuff? I was one of those type of people. I believed that your body was your temple and God's here. It doesn't mean you have to go to church. But as I've gotten older and things has gotten... Um, I guess maybe it's my age now, I guess. But the times that I was saying, I don't have to go to church. I believe in God. You know, I mean, that that to me was good enough. But having 
and I was one. I was one of those ones that you know that mm -hmm. I didn't have any money put in a, a collection plate. I didn't have nice clothes to wear. I was always dressed in jeans, t-shirts. Well, that's what you can afford. That's what you wear, and it doesn't right. make any difference. But I also let other people that I knew I'd gone to church with here and have a lot of money kind of give me an eyeball one, once or twice, and then I'd feel bad about coming back to church. Mm -hmm. And I did quit for a long, long time. I didn't come back. Yeah. And then just since you, I've been back. Granted, it hadn't been a whole lot, but... I plan on rectifying that. That that's coming. Mm -hmm. Just a matter of when gas prices come down, that car doesn't fall apart on me. Yeah, because <laughs> I have a bad muffler now. It sounds like a truck going down the road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, the money will come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. I know it will. And you know, to me, anybody, the best advice I can give anybody, you know, is if if every first time that it's ever happened to them or. Um, about the best thing I can say is do not even hold the first one in mm -hmm. let it go tell somebody scream yell do whatever you gotta do kick somebody say listen to me I got this problem and I need some help with it Yeah. don't necessarily need psychiatric help like I went and saw it and they put me on a bunch of pills and did nothing but numb me up make me stupid now I'm off of it and I feel like every day is a blessing I wake up I smile. I have a smile for everybody. I don't sit down and dwell on my past anymore. I dwell on what's happening in the future. And my future is here in this church. Yeah. It has been since I was a kid. I just too stupid and couldn't kick myself enough to get me back into church. But now that I have realized that, you know, my brain is clear, my mind is clear, the songs are coming back to me like they were just yesterday. I can stand up there and sing with the best of them. Who mm -hmm. cares if I haven't got a dime to put in the, in the plate? And who cares how I'm dressed? I'm here. Exactly, right. And that's the way I think people <laughs> ought to think. You've made it pretty clear throughout our conversation today. I think one of your major goals in allowing yourself to come and talk to me today and be on a podcast that going to blast out all over the Internet, hopefully. I really don't care. It's going to help somebody. Yeah, see, that's the thing is that your your message is talk about what you're going through. Absolutely. Talk about it back. until somebody listens to you right. and comes alongside you and says... I found you, didn't I? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I think that worked both ways. Mm -hmm. You found me and I found you, but you're the first one that I was ever really open with, and I mm -hmm. think it took me two, three years before I finally said, and it was out there. Yes. You know? Once I did, it felt wonderful. Yeah. I went home that day. The whole day was good. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had accomplished something. Yeah. You know, I, somebody finally listened to me and didn't judge me about it. Mm -hmm. And you don't. That's the thing I like about you. Well, and that's when the church is at its best, that's exactly what's happening, is that people are picking up each other. And uh, the older you get, the more you realize you can't really make things better for somebody else. Right. But you can walk alongside them and say, I care about you. And most like, of the time, that's enough. There was times that I just wish I'd have died, mm -hmm. you know. But now, I don't want to die. Hey, I'm just starting all over again. I feel like I'm three, starting all back. Everything's all fresh and new to me, and I got a big grin on my face. Yeah, <laughs> I try to laugh and joke with people, and, and people like I have a neighbor that's suicidal. And I'm always checking on her because she just lost her brother due to cancer. Mm -hmm. So I'm always on the phone going, "Hey, Rosie, 
how you doing today? I don't want to hear you, I'm about to do this because you know I'm here. Call me. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about it because if anybody knows the fear, not the fear, but the, the will to want to die, I did. I knew it real well. And there was a lot of times that I, I, I had thought about it, but I think God was ever going, you're not done yet. That's right. Like I said, there are so many things that I just wish I could say directly to anybody that's out there listening or hears this. If you're being touched or you're being manipulated in ways that you don't like to be manipulated, scream at the top of your lungs. Call the police. Do whatever you got to do, but do something. Just don't let it eat you up like it did me. Made me a total waste of a human being for almost 58 years. And I'll be 60 this in October, and I feel like I was just born again. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. I was born June 28th, or May 28th, I'm sorry. I gave myself a whole month that I didn't. May 28th was the day I was reborn. Mm-hmm. Meeting you was another big factor in my life. Because I needed somebody that would listen to me and not really judge. And you were one of those type of people that just come along, and I needed you at that time. Mm-hmm. I did, and I'm thankful. Oh, I thank welcome. God every day that I've met you. You know, whenever I'm shopping in a little store or something, I might pick up a little knickknack and give it to you. Yeah, but yeah, that that's the friendship. That's right. We all, everybody needs somebody like that. Yeah, I too. did. I really did need you. And there's times I called you and kept you past your time here at church because <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wanting to go yeah. flap my gums, but. It, it really helped me. I felt much better after, after getting off the phone with you. If I'm having a problem or you know I've got something going on in my life that I just don't know how to deal with, you've always been there to help me. All right. Well, Myra Dovenberger is an excellent example of what God is like, because He always holds the door open for a second chance, a new life, a new birth, and you've heard that today. I also would. Just say again what Myra has said throughout our conversation today. If you are going through something right now where you don't feel like anybody understands you, anybody can relate, there's always somebody who can relate. There's always somebody who's walked a mile in your shoes. Call me. And they can uh, contact us here at Voices of Faith. I can put you in touch with Myra. You can speak with me. Or there's a whole group of people that would be willing to to help you out. So please reach out. Uh, one way you can contact us is through our email. That is Voices of Faith. You'll want to use the um, email address. It goes like this. It's uh, faithpodcast at outlook.com. Again, that is faithpodcast at outlook.com. That message will get directly to me and uh, we'll take it from there. Myra, once again, I want to thank you so much for opening up to us and letting us know what has happened to you, where God has brought you to. It's an inspiring, really great story, and uh, I'm trusting that it's going to touch somebody's life oh, out I there. I really hope it does, because like I said, if I can just help one person to recognize and to speak up, then I think I've fulfilled what I came here for. What I'm, what I'm living for is to make sure that somebody else doesn't have to go through the life I did. And like I said, it took a lot of you to get me to get to where I am today. 
and I'm more than willing. You know, if somebody would like to talk to me directly, they can call me. I my phone, you can list it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more than glad. All right. You know, if they don't feel like I can talk to anybody else, call me. Okay, I will put that on the website when the show is posted. Okay. So, thank you very much for listening today to Voices of Faith. Again, if you want to contact us for any reason, please email us at faithpodcast.outlook.com. Remember, weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I